and welcome to Dance It Out, a Grey's Anatomy podcast. We're your hosts, Jasmine Petty. And Giuseppe Corallo. And today we have a special guest with us, fellow Grey's fan, Clinton Large. Thank you to everyone for joining us. Uh, today we're going to be talking about Season 17, Episode 4 of Grey's Anatomy, entitled You'll Never Walk Alone. So if you haven't seen the episode, there are spoilers ahead. You've been warned. We're going to start off, as usual, with a 30-second recap. Uh, so here we go. In this week's episode, we finally got the answer to the question that's been on everyone's minds. Who's on the beach? And the answer was none other than George O'Malley. We see Meredith and George have a heart-to-heart on the beach. While back in the real world, Richard and Bailey agonize over Meredith's condition and whether or not to enroll her in a clinical trial. Maggie attends a virtual dinner for Winston's grandmother, which leads to some family drama. And Amelia and Link struggle to cope with the reality of Meredith's deteriorating condition. Meanwhile, Tom's COVID symptoms worsen, and Owen is forced to confront his own unconscious bias when it comes to treating patients of color. Uh, so since Clinton is our guest today, um, we thought we'd start off. Uh, Hi, Clinton. Hi, Clinton. Hi, everybody. How's it going? Fine. How are you? Great. So excited. All righty. Um, so Clinton, why don't you start us off by sharing how uh, you first got into the show? So I first started the show probably two years almost to the day, maybe like two years and a month ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I had uh, some roommates that were really into the show, some friends that were into the show, and maybe the only watch to like only till season 10 because Grey's Anatomy has gone on forever and ever. Um, but they all spoke so highly of it. I wanted to watch it, but it's so hard to start a show knowing there's already 15 seasons out and they're <laughs> still going like that time commitment. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I started and in true fashion for me, binged it really hard and I have never cried so much in a concentrated time in my life. Um yeah, I loved it. And then that's how I got into the show. And then I actually got my boss at the time into the show as well. And she would watch it while she was on the treadmill in the gym in the mornings. And she's not as emotional as me. So she wouldn't cry. But she's like, oh, yeah, it's it's sad. And as it's like her 6.30 a.m. jog on the treadmill. Um, and so we would talk about Grey's all the time and stuff. And yeah, that's how I got into the show. And how long did it take for you to actually watch the entire series? I think it took me four or five months to watch from season one to season like nine or ten and then I took a break when Christina left which was in season 10 um I just like I think I had binged it too hard and loved Christina and needed a break so took a break for a few months and then when I came back I finished it all the way up to season 15 within a three or three probably more months three four months and then I didn't because season 16 wasn't on uh, Netflix yet I hadn't watched season 16 until Three months ago, I finally uh, downloaded it and I found a way to watch it and uh, watched it then. So there was a good year in my life without any grays. But in that time, I also started rewatching from season one and watched. I recently watched all the way to season five finale and season six premiere, which is why it's so timely that I'm on this episode. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the perfect, you know, Rika, you watched the perfect season. It just made the, the sting all the worse. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I... And just to your point, Clinton, about how, like, it was hard for you to watch something knowing there were that many seasons out. I think I got lucky. I said this on our beginning episode, but when I started watching the show on Netflix, I'd heard of it, but I didn't really know a lot about the show. Mm-hmm. Um, we got, I think, three or four seasons in, and we were on some plot, and I was like, okay, but, like, I like the stories, is, the stories keep going, and I don't feel like it's ending. How long is this show? And so we went to the drop down, and went, there are like, at that time, there was like, there are 12 seasons of this thing? That's what we were already invested. Like, well, I guess we're watching this all summer. Like, I guess we're, I guess we're doing it. Um, and then there were more, and by the time I finished that, there were more seasons. So 
Yeah. That's awesome. My boyfriend always says that like Grey's Anatomy is a perfect show for me because he he likes to say that I have abandonment issues. And so I love, a t- I've always said I love a TV show more than a movie. I like seeing the people I know in a new situation that have to get used to a new group of people. So those are my, in quotes, abandonment issues popping up. And that's why I show like Grey's Anatomy is actually so good for me. Right on. Yeah. Right on. And who is your favorite character, Clinton? You can name just one character. Who is it? Oh, shit. I know you said just one, but I'm going to name a couple. Um, <laughs> no, no, just one. George, <laughs> April, Christina. Okay. And then Alex. Okay. But only in the second half Therefore. of the series. In the first half, he was an asshole. Okay. <laughs> okay, okay. And so you were very happy to see George back. I love George. The saddest episode in the entire series is the season five finale slash season one premiere when they like grieve George. And I have never cried harder in my entire life. It's actually a really funny story. So I, uh, our desk and our couch are in the same space in my house. And so my uh, boyfriend was at the desk doing some work with his headphones in and couldn't hear me. Um, But I was on the couch watching George die and sobbing like I don't think I've cried as hard at funerals or anything like I was an unconsolable mess and he looks over and was like what as I'm just this train wreck of a person I finally calmed down and I loved the way they wrote George off like I hated that they wrote George off but like I loved the way they did it so I was explaining it and then as soon as I explain it I start like choking up again I'm like I really liked him and just like full bone (laughs) tears again yeah, it's one of the saddest. It is. It is one of these saddest. It's probably one of the saddest death episodes of the entire. I think it's sadder than the plane crash. Well, the plane crash is shocking. It's yeah, not sad. Like yeah, yeah. When the elevator doors open with Izzy and George, frick, I lose it every time. Mm-hmm. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's all, and it's also the first big death on the show. You know, it's that death that meant okay, anything can happen. You know. Yeah. It was like the first, like if you think about Game of Thrones, that kind of show. So that that was that moment. This was the moment in which Grace told us anything is possible. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It also like normal. Yeah, you said like it normalized that like you need to be on your toes at all times because like you yeah. don't know yeah. when someone's gonna go at, at all. And I also love the original Magic interns, right? Yes. Like the Meredith, Alex, mm. George, Izzy, and Christina. And for Magic to be done, it made me sad as well. So there's just yeah. so many reasons to be sad when George died. There are so many, so many. Um, so how did you feel about, um, so obviously you were happy to see him back. What did you think about George uh, in this episode? So it got spoiled for me that because I didn't oh, watch no. it. I watched it a day late. So it got spoiled oh. for me that he was back, which like I was so excited to see him, but so sad at the same time that it was spoiled. Um, but I loved it. I loved every minute with him on screen. I was, I didn't know what was going on with the actor. I felt like for a little bit, like he was just moving in a weird way, but maybe I haven't seen George in, you know, 12 years in Grey's Anatomy time. So like, I just wasn't used to it. Um, but yeah, no, I loved it. I loved it. I loved how you had a real conversation with Meredith, mm-hmm. whereas, you know, Derek was just like, Sans not real. Ah. <laughs> and that's all you got. Um, but yeah. like they actually got to like chat. And especially because like you got to hear about George, like visiting Meredith's kids and visiting yes. his mom and like, like, you know, effectively haunting everybody, but like good haunting. <laughs> it doesn't have to be bad. And so they just, that was just so nice. And then like their conversation about like, grief and how people process it and how sometimes people never get through it and 
also like also him talking about how everybody laughed at his funeral. Everyone did laugh at his funeral because they were laughing. I think they yeah. started laughing because the girl that he saved was like, you know, rightfully so an inconsolable mess, right? Like I love that phrase apparently, but you know, crying her eyes out mm-hmm. and like louder than anyone else was. And they laughed at her, which again, rightfully so. But yeah, it is weird to think that all your friends at your funeral are just bursting out laughing. Like losing it by that tombstone where they're all like, and she got cancer and he got hit by a bus. Like- yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, anyways, that's my thoughts on George and how I got into the show. Awesome. Giuseppe, uh, do you want to go off what you were trying to say earlier? Uh, yeah, actually, I loved the return of George as well. I thought, as Clinton said, he was very emotional. And I also loved George as a character. I think, I mean, if you think what w- what's what's really great about these characters, this, this character, George, is if you think about him, he has been with us just for five seasons, but he made such a huge impact. Think about, I don't know, Joe Jackson or some other characters. They have been on the show longer but the impact that George had, it's it's great. It's it's really, really great. So I was very happy to see him back. And I liked, loved all the conversations between him and Meredith, and especially when he asked Meredith if she still dances, if she still dances out. I thought that was a great moment because the scene was great, you know, the music, and it was what Grace does best, you know, the perfect, the perfect dialogue, the perfect music, the perfect acting. And I thought that there was a powerful moment because actually in that moment, George O'Malley is not really George O'Malley. It's it's an imagination of Meredith's mind. So it's like Meredith is asking herself, when was the last time she actually danced? And she she's honest and she says that she hasn't danced since as much as since Christina left. And George says something important, says, she, he tells her, well, she actually, Christina didn't die. But so I, I think that's really important because this storyline, maybe it's, it gives Meredith the possibility to, to start a new chapter in her life when she wakes up, you know? Mm-hmm. And maybe she could start dancing again a lot. She could find joy again. Because if you think about it, Meredith keeps saying that she cannot die because of her kids. Like her kids are the only thing that are tethering her to earth. And I think in one way that's true. But on the other hand, it, this also means that the relationships she has with the other characters, even with her sisters, Amelia and, and, and Maggie, they're not, I mean, don't kill me, but I don't think they are as powerful as the ones she had with Christina or George and Izzy. Um, well, you get stronger relationships when you have like a common enemy almost, right? Like a common, I don't want to say trauma, but like, you know, hard experience. And you can think of their internship years like that, right? Like I, I did an engineering degree and I was really involved in orientations and they talked about all the time of how like having not only a common goal, but a common enemy can really bring people together. And that common enemy when you're yeah. in school is like your professors, right? So that makes yeah. you grow so much closer together. So these interns working through this ridiculously hard program together where they're not sleeping, not eating properly. I'm pretty sure they all would have gained weight if they were, you know, actually <laughs> doctors. Um, and yeah, that's just like that, that brings them together and they'll mm-hmm. always have that. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I think you really nailed it. it. Yeah, and so I hope this all storylines is, again, I want to see Meredith dancing 
again by yourself and also with other people maybe with ace as you know i'm a, <laughs> such a big meredith and ace fan yeah. what did you think jasmine about this reunion this magic reunion uh, i loved it uh like clinton and you i loved it um i love george the character i was devastated when he died like meredith was i loved her his lines about the kids and how you know she says how great they are he says he checks in on them i love the implication there that um in this universe if george can check in that means all the other deceased characters can too and um it's a beautiful image i think something that a lot of us in real life want with our loved ones when we lose somebody so i, I love that image and them to address that um i love how they addressed why george and derek looked older because they were saying it was meredith's own perception i thought they did a good mm -hmm. job of addressing that i love when they're walking along the water and george has this great you know lines about um you know, how he's trying, sometimes he tries to shake the grief out of his mother because she's never been the same. And it's this beautiful yes. thing that Meredith turns to him and goes, so basically you're haunting her. And he's like, well, if you want to go like that. Um, have we not all had that joke though of like, if I die, like I'm going to haunt the crap out of you and you're never going to have sex again. Like I will make sure that never happens for you. Like, have you not ever joked about that? <laughs> I haven't, but- No, I, no, actually no. But... Oh, I've made that joke lots of times being like, y'all will never be alone. Like I will never let you have a moment alone again. <laughs> well, clearly you and George are kindred spirits in that with the haunting. Um, Don't you think that's a little bit selfish, Clinton? Oh, incredibly, but like if I'm dead, I'm going to make sure everyone else suffers too. Yeah, yeah. sounds reasonable. <laughs> so Jasmine, you were saying that the conversation, that you really liked it. Uh, yes, I did. But yeah, I really liked um, the parts with George and Meredith. Um, I love their conversations. I also loved that the part at the end there when Richard and uh, Bailey appear. They're not there, but they're not really there, but they're there. And George says to her gently that... Um, you know, she's like, if you don't go back, it'll, it might break him about Richard. Mm -hmm. um, and Meredith goes, I know. Um, I really love that as well. And um, I loved all that coming together. Um, and I was surprised too that I thought the meaningful conversation at this stage was going to come from, from, sorry, from Meredith and Derek talking. And I was a bit surprised that it came from Meredith and George, but I loved it. And I do think that the meaningful conversation with Derek will happen later, but probably when they wrap the beach storyline, um mm -hmm. that's yeah. my feeling at this point well you both were talking in your last episode about how like Derek kind of represents like this death like this Danny figure when or Denny figure when Denny came back for Izzy and that like Derek will probably not be able to have a full intimate conversation and hug her and kiss her until like you had said like she's flatlining and she's running a code yeah um we're experiencing a code yeah. blue and so because Tarek to her represents the full transition over, whereas all these other people and who else, whatever, whoever she might meet on the beach mm -hmm. um, are kind of just stepping stones and just her processing her thoughts. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So the other thing we want to talk about was, uh, Clinton, I know you had some thoughts on this about uh, in back in the real world in the hospital, um, one of the topics they, they, they cover this episode is about uh, anti-Asian racism in regard to the pandemic and the way that, uh, medical staff are treated and people are treated. Um, so did you want to kind of share your thoughts on that with us? Yeah. So like, it's not something I can personally experience ever. Cause like I am like a white cis man. Um, but like my partner is Asian. And so I think I can empathize quite a bit still just because I've, you know, heard him talk about it and living in Vancouver, BC, there is like a large Asian population. So like just 
having lots of friends that have experienced it as well. Like even the other day, having a friend of mine post a story um, about how someone that was her friend who she hadn't spoken to in a couple of years had asked her a question about a class they had taken together a few years prior, if she still had any notes from the class. And then when she said, oh no, she had gotten rid of them. Obviously it was just an excuse to open the conversation and then just started berating her about COVID and how it was the Chinese virus, you know, in quotes and stuff. Um, so just, yeah, I just think I have a lot of observational experiences with it, but I've never obviously experienced it myself. So I just thought it was such a good storyline to incorporate. I think they've done a really good job of incorporating really meaningful storylines in Grey's Anatomy, right? Like there was that one where they showed how a full rape kit is processed. Um, They showed the the human trafficking. They've showed so many things. Um, And so it was just really, it was just really awesome to have that included. Um, Working, like I said, in like orientations for UBC for so many years, they have done a lot of training around like, when you ask someone like where they're from and they say, you know, Vancouver, like you don't question that. Like you don't ever say, where are you really from? Like that's such like, a horrible expression to use. So I, I loved Nico's answer of like, when he's like, where are you from? And he's like orthopedics. But like, obviously that's not what, what was meant by the question. It's terrible that he had to have like a quick, you know, uh, way to tone down the situation, like a quick answer. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I just really appreciated that being there. And then even like them talking about, like Bailey talking about equity, right? And this is something like I've struggled with with understanding. Like I grew up in a very small conservative town and I thought I had quite liberal views and then coming to Vancouver and having, you know, my mind expanded, right? Like I had lots of problematic things I would say and do that I had to unlearn. Like I'm a gay man, but like I used to say, you know, where's the straight people parade? Like, you know, I used to talk about that and stuff. So it was just nice to have like equity. It sucks that I had to be from a person of color to explain it to Owen, but it was nice that like someone explained it to him because I think Owen, you know, had good intentions, but was still problematic at the same time. And talking about equity, you can't treat everybody the same, right? If something is more common in a certain group of people, you have to keep that in mind. Yeah. 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 No, I, I agree. And well, I was a bit frustrated too that like it had to be, I did kind of feel like it's not, it's not the job of people of color to explain to us white people about equality. Mm-hmm. It just mm-hmm. bugged me a little bit that Bailey had to do that. But at the same time, I did think that Owen came to her because this Bailey is someone that he respects mm-hmm. that's in a higher position than him, who as a person of color would understand that experience. So I did, I did also feel that he was, he was coming to her for her advice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really love also what- because she's a general surgeon, right? Yeah. So going to someone like he was hoping her out of anyone would be like, Oh yeah. Append- that's, you know, appendicitis or whatever. Yeah. Um, but then she said, you know, yeah. Okay. If it was a white patient, yeah, absolutely. But for Asian patients, we know that's higher. So you need to take that into account. And, you know, I love how she called him like, Hey, don't make excuses. And also said, you know, equality, equal care and equitable care are not the same thing. And if something presents more in one type of patient, you need to take that into consideration. If you're treating everybody as if they're white, you are giving poor care to everybody else. And mm-hmm. I love that they address it. I love that she finished by saying, not only do you have a privilege and a responsibility here because of how you identify, but you're the head of trauma here. So you have mm-hmm. the ability to fix this so that this does never happens to another Asian patient that we see. And not only do you have the, like you have the responsibility, you need to do it. Not only do you have the privilege, but you need to do it. And I like that they end on that note. And because it came from Bailey, the implication there is that Owen will make that change and will update those protocols. And I really like Bailey's also it. Owen's boss, right? Bailey's the chief. Yeah. And so he, he has yeah, to he has know. 
Yeah, he doesn't have to listen to Nico or the intern, but he does have to listen to Bailey. Mm-hmm. So I like that um, mm-hmm. uh, that was included as well. I also loved how Owen said there were actually no excuses. And then he kept coming up with excuses. And Bailey was really straightforward with him. So I really liked that because sometimes, you know, we keep making excuses, but we really have to change and we have to change our attitude. And Owen, as Jasmine said, has the power to change the protocol. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think it's like when you, like when for people, like if they're saying you're being racist or that's racism, not taking it as a, like, I'm now, you're, you're calling me this horrendous person by taking it as you have a bias and you need to fix it or you're going to continue to be racist and that will make you a horrible person, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. kind of changing yeah. the connotation around it a little bit. Um, I also just love that like it was a subordinate technically who like brought this to Owen's attention because I think people lower down the food chain should have more say in things and we should hold people more accountable. Like I remember working in a research field for a bit, there was this one guy who was a great researcher, had done a lot of great work. And for his study, he had just said like, because it was focused on Asian people, he was like, oh, and I translated everything into Mandarin. And that makes me so culturally sensitive um, and culturally safe. And I'm like, it's inclusive, but like, that's like a pretty low benchmark, right? So just like, I couldn't say anything, but like, I wish that like people like me could have, right. Just speaking of being like, I don't think you're doing enough if that's your goal. Like also Mandarin isn't the only Asian language. Like Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's kind of ignorant (laughs) to to think that that is Mm -hmm. on a lighter topic. uh, Clinton, you mentioned before that you really loved some of the uh, COVID references that we got this episode to like, uh, do you want to talk about that briefly? Yeah, just like, I'm pretty sure how many people started playing the video game Pandemic, right? Like, we all played it. Like, I loved designing a virus. Like, I played this other one where you're not trying to survive a pandemic. You're trying to be a virus that kills the whole world. So as there's a virus putting around, I'm playing a phone game and I'm trying to kill the whole world. But I didn't play those games. Uh, are they real? Yeah. Yeah, there's like a real boring oh, pandemic where you're trying to survive that. a pandemic. Oh, I didn't. Is that what, what Thomas was a reference to? I didn't get that. I thought it was something he made up. But it's a game. No, yeah, it was oh, some zombie game. And then there's actual like me zombie too. pandemic games you're trying to survive. So that's like that's what he used. That's why a zombie appeared in a screen. He used that game base to like have oh. the visual things done. Okay. So there was a real game. Yeah, there's lots of games. There's games where you try to survive a pandemic. There's games where you're the virus and you're trying to kill everybody. Oh, that's why. Um, was telling him that he, she played that, that game as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Because it was just so ironic okay. that everyone in a pandemic was like, let's play a video game about a pandemic. Okay. Thank you for educating us, Clinton. Oh, that's fun. Always. Always. That's fun. And, yeah, thank you, Clinton. <laughs> and uh, I like to, uh, the murder hornets, that Joe makes the comment about murder hornets. I love it. Have you heard all the theories about like how there's a time traveler and they're coming back trying to fix things, but every time they do, they make things worse. And you're yes. like, why do you think murder hornets were here? And then all of a sudden not mentioned again, it's because the time traveler created it and then tried to fix it and made things worse still. Or they're like, they're treating it like it's like a plot device being like, man, this season of earth is going all over the place. Like why bring up murder hornets if you're not going to use them in the plot line? <laughs> right? Are these are these real theories? I mean, oh yeah, they're they're totally like parody, but like they're yeah they're they're, they're memes that are going around. 
Yeah. Oh God. Uh, so on something more serious, I I know both you and I, Clinton, we were feeling this that um, I loved on a serious note how when Richard is agonizing over Meredith in this episode, his line to Bailey where he says, you know, I know that patients suffer alone because of this disease, but it never occurred to me until right now how their families and their loved ones suffer over them and not being able to be with them. Um, I thought that was such a poignant moment and I thought it hit the nail on the head really well about, about this disease. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, just I think you summarized it perfectly, just how lonely people feel, even if you're not caring for someone, if you can just feel incredibly lonely and that's, you know, bad too. But obviously it's better to peel that than to remove restrictions and stuff, but it just yeah. still sucks at the same time. Yeah, we're not advocating that obviously, but uh, I like the scene too at the end where Bailey and where Richard's agonizing on the decision, he makes the call and then he's sitting with her and he's he's agonizing over it. He's, he's so upset, um, but kind of stoic. And then Bailey puts like, puts her arm on his shoulder and, you know, the implication is, okay, well, I'll wait with you. And so they're both waiting and they both appear on the beach. And Meredith mm -hmm. has that voiceover line about, you know, find your people, have bring them close because they're the people that are there for you in the tough times, even though she can't communicate with any of these people right now because she's like unconscious. But in her mind, they are there. And, mm -hmm. and it shows that closeness. And I, uh, I they did a great job of, of illustrating how hard this is for those characters, but also hard for us in the real world. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I thought they did a good job of that. Yeah, yeah. Can I say something else about that mm -hmm. last scene? I think th that was an iconic scene that we will remember forever. And I love that Bailey shared, you know, a scene with George since they had a great relationship. And as mm -hmm. Bailey said in the past, George was actually <clears throat> her favorite intern. So I'm really happy that we got that scene. And it was beautiful, the original four characters from the pilot. Yeah, it was it was beautiful. And as you said, it worked perfectly with the theme about loneliness and how you need to find uh, po positive people to surround mm -hmm. you, mm -hmm. to light you up. So yeah, that was beautiful. The way Bailey and Richard appeared on the beach with George and Meredith made me think too about, I wonder how other people are going to appear. Like obviously deceased characters can only appear on the beach, yeah. but how are characters like, Christina, if she comes back, or Callie, or Arizona, or whoever is planning else to come back, how are they going to appear? Mm -hmm. Are they going to be only on the beach? Are they going to be only in the real world? Or are they going to be both, right? And yeah, what's like that going to be like? Here or something. Yeah. 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 And did you notice that the people who actually are, who are alive and appear at the beach actually cannot talk to Meredith, and mm. she can talk to them. But yeah, they can. She can only talk to the, the so far, but every because... new addition's been a new rule. That's true. Yeah. 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 Why do you think that George and Meredith got close, but she and Derek couldn't? I think it just goes to what I was saying earlier about how Derek to her is Denny to Izzy and Derek represents the final transition. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of view Derek as like the angel of death. And then yeah. all these okay. people that visit Meredith are... I think the people that are alive are trying to keep her alive, but all these other people, these other ghosts that might visit Meredith are not trying to persuade her either way. They're just trying to offer input. Yeah. Um, yeah. And for like Meredith to decide, right? Or if a door yeah. does appear in either direction, if she chooses to walk through it. Yeah. Yeah. I think the fact that George tells Meredith that she can decide, I mean, I don't really like this idea because, you know, uh, when I hear that people, well, she thought, but she died. 
like sometimes most of the time people don't have a choice you know what i mean so the mm-hmm. fact that they're saying that Meredith has a choice to come back, that's actually not real. I mean, th- this kind of storyline worked in season three because back then when she drowned, because that, back then it was like a suicide, a suicidal act, you know? Meredith decided to drown. So she had to have the will to come back. But this time I feel like, I, I don't think it's the right attitude to say, okay, if you want, you can come back because most of the time people fight and they just cannot come back because mm-hmm. death is, you know what I mean, bigger. And so this is something that uh, it makes me a little bit angry when I hear that people can actually fight their way to, to life because sadly, this doesn't happen, guys. So mm-hmm. I don't know how you feel about it. but Yeah, I, I kind of felt like, well, I think George did have a good point that when Meredith says, do I have a choice here? when they're sitting on like that um, little lighthouse station thing. And George does say to her, you know, it depends, you know, I didn't have a choice. I would have stayed if I could, but you might have one. I don't, I don't know. So mm-hmm. I kind of saw it yeah. as, I see what you're saying, Giuseppe, but I kind of saw it as um, like, you know, Meredith, like in her mind, trying to figure out if she has a choice. If, if, if she had a choice, would she want to go back? Like I kind of saw it as her working through that mentally. Um, on the other hand, like you're right, right. Like, whether she lives or dies from COVID is outside of her control because her physical, like the, the disease has her right now. So I kind of saw that as her mental gymnastics around that issue. Okay. Rather than yeah. COVID either gets you or it doesn't, yeah. like there's nothing we can really do about that. Mm-hmm. I feel like her current choice yeah. was death to Derek or it was to stay on the beach in that state. It was mm-hmm. not for life. It was like to kind of, her choice was to keep fighting or to die and like like George said no matter how hard you fight like that might not be an option for you mm-hmm. so it's like I kind of viewed it as like is she fi- she's fighting right now for the hope that the door will appear to let her back to being fully fine mm-hmm. um but she has to kind of yeah like one she has to f- choose to fight long enough for that door to appear and she might not make it to when that door will show up and two if the door does appear will she choose to go through it or will she choose to go with Derek yeah. Let's talk about a romantic entanglement that happened in this episode. I mean, well, maybe we should call it, as they call it, a friendship reboot. <laughs> so I'm talking about I'm talking about Joe and Jackson. I think, and I'm surprised to say this, but I think they work pretty well together. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that Camilla Luddington is really good at the comedic time, as I said in the, in the past. Yeah. And so I like that they're playing the lighter side of this relationship. I mean, they're not super serious. Jackson just broke up with Vic and 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 Joe has just been dumped by Alex. So I'm, I'm happy that they're not approaching this, I mean, from a writing standpoint, like the next big thing in their life, the next big romance. I'm very happy with the way they're writing the two of them. They're really funny and, and, and we need, I think, this kind of funny right now between Meredith and COVID and all the, the crazy stuff that's happening in the hospital, at the hospital. So I, I think I like them. Yeah, I'm surprised because I never actually loved Jackson and Maggie, but I think surprisingly, uh, John Jackson worked pretty well. And I also am interested to see where they go and mm-hmm. to see Joe with someone who's so different from her because we have seen Joe just with Alex and they shared a similar background. 
So to see Joe interact with Jackson, a rich guy and a spoiled one, I think that might be pretty interesting. So yeah, I'm I'm very curious to see where they go next. Because obviously to see their conversations about... around money. Yeah. Yeah, that could be very interesting. I'm I'm very yeah, I'm very curious about that. And this is Grey's Anatomy. So even though they said nothing serious will happen, <laughs> well, guys, of course, something serious will well, happen. Gonna happen. Yeah, people are going to yeah, have feelings. People are going to catch feelings. Yeah, people are going to happen. It will happen. And what about Amelia Link? What did you think about them, Jasmine? I really like them together. I did. I liked that, you know, Amelia kind of had her had her feelings out, which I like, as she says, that's important for her to do because if she doesn't get her feelings out, she will relapse. Is that what she was implying? That she would relapse? Yeah. What did you think? Oh, I just thought she'd throw a fit and then he wouldn't like the fit she threw. I didn't even think about that. No, she's saying that if if she bottles her feelings up, she will relapse. Yeah, she also thought that in that case, the consequences would be very hard to face and that Link might not find the bright side, you know? Especially because she's looking after the kids. So if Mary, so if Amelia relapses, yeah. loses it, and ODs like she has before, like multiple times, the kids, there, there's no one to look after the kids. So not only will it be hard for Link, but he takes over as their primary parent. Uh, at least that's how I kind of saw it. My friend Amy that I watched with, that that Clinton, you've met, um, had a really good comment on that scene that she said I could share where she said, you know, I feel like when Owen and Amelia were still together, if that had been Owen in that scene, he would have just stormed off back into the house because you kind of saw that dynamic with them whereas Amelia and Link's dynamic is so different that like Amelia's just like I need to feel my feelings and so Link walks over angrily moves some toys sets down a chair and is like she's like what are you doing she's like I'm sitting here so you can say all your feelings which I love and then later on she tries to repay the favor and he says like if you want a partner in misery I can't be that because my way of dealing with this is to strum my guitar and focus on the positive and I need to do that I've supported you on your thing if you want this to work, you have to support me on my thing. And I like that because she's had her brain tumor and because her addiction is under control, Amelia, for the first time, I think on her whole run in, in this Grey's or private practice universe, is able to go, okay, I've done my thing. You need to do your thing. I'm going to sit here while you play me this song. And mm-hmm. I really love that. I also um, love Link's line on what the song was called. That was hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, so that those were yeah. kind of that was kind of my take on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, friends. I have to I, get going, but yeah. I've appreciated so much being on this podcast, and I can't wait to come back and discuss my essay, uh, sixty-five reasons why Owen Hunt does deserve to be happy. Oh, um, <laughs> uh, Clinton, we will have time to discuss that. We'll have you back <laughs> just because I want to defend Owen, not because I love him, because I think. He needs a lawyer. You're too severe with him. I do have to run, though, but thank you so, so much, you guys, and good luck. Thank you. Bye, Clinton. Bye, Clinton. Bye. So, Jasmine, you were talking about Amelia Link, mm-hmm. okay? And I wanted to say something. I actually liked the two of them this episode because I think they had a realistic fight, a fight that actually happens in real life. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm an Amelia. I'm a sucker for for walling in my feelings and and I, I I mean I don't love misery but sometimes I just wallow in it I actually get Amelia but on the other hand I also get Link because sometimes you just want to see the bright side and the same works for me and my relationship so I think it was a very they both had valid points and I thought it was a cute fight let's call it a fight it wasn't a real fight but anyway I thought it was 
really realistic and a domestic storyline you know yeah so yeah i liked it what about the other couple of episodes or who actually still haven't had real time together but just facetime together but in this week they had a really peculiar evening dinner i would say what did you think about wisdom and maggie i really like there was a couple i did think i like that he invited her to the family dinner and i thought it was great um i understood why winston um you know couldn't be around his father because i mean he was just awful but i also did think it was very rude that he just exited the call like he should have said something first he should have said okay maggie i can't do this Uh, I think we should leave the call or I'm going to leave the call. And so both him and Maggie could log off. The fact that he just logged off the call, didn't say anything, left Maggie hanging and she was standing there being like, so is there cake? And just like, you know, trying to be classy and and salvage the situation. Um, I didn't think that was fair to Maggie, but I did like that Winston apologized and he recognized that he was going to talk about it with her when they FaceTime later. And he recognized that Maggie wasn't in the right space to talk about that because of everything going on with Meredith. So, um, you know, instead, you know, they talked about something else. They decided to watch a movie. I also really love the line where they both discover that they're both pencil nerds. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and how much they have in common. Um, it is a bit weird. And, you know, obviously this is affected by COVID. If COVID had not happened, it seems obvious that, you know, Winston would have moved to Seattle and that him and Maggie would be in a relationship, you know, in real life. Um, but because of COVID, that's not happening. So, but the the pencil line, that that conversation really made me feel like they they have so much in common. There's so much alike that she's never really had with any of her other love interests. I think that this is kind of her, they seem kind of like soulmates to me. This is kind of her, her end game, her end relationship. So I feel like whatever issues they have, they are going to work through them because they just kind of get each other. And so Winston's got some issues with his dad that will need to be addressed and resolved, but it's not a, it's not a deal breaker issue. And he just needs to let people know before he logs off our Zoom calls next time. Yeah. Yeah. I actually lo- love that Maggie is having, you know, um, an healthy relationship. Mm-hmm. But I have to say that this is just me, but I don't think it's very interesting to watch. I mean, I know that you you like the two of them together, but I hope that something happens to spice things up between yeah. the two of them because right now they're a little bit boring. And I have to say that after this episode, I I really am starting to feel the COVID fatigue. COVID, of course, has in real life has has affected everyone, so has affected the life of these characters. And it has put the lives of these characters on hold, you know? Mm -hmm. If you think about Teddy and Tom and what's happening to Tom and Owen, they're not even talking about their weird triangle situation (laughs) because, you know, COVID is the priority. And now Tom is really, really sick at the end of this episode. So I think that, and I get it, everything has been turned upside down by this horrible disease, this horrible virus. But on the other end, I am starting to feel, as I said, the fatigue. Yeah. It's really taking a toll on me as a viewer. So I hope that they that in the next few episodes they, they add less scenes related to COVID. Don't you feel like these are very dark, dark episodes? I do and I don't. Like I I'm I mean I'm really loving this season. I mean it is very COVID heavy, but at the same time I you know they're kind of I feel like their hands are kind of tied that now that they've introduced COVID in the show because those are the medical stories that, that real life medical practitioners are bringing them, 
uh, they're bringing the writing team. Once they've introduced it, you can't just shy away from it. It's not a one-time issue and it does kind of color everything. But at the same time, like, yeah, I mean, living in a COVID world and seeing this on TV is can be very draining. Um, I'm not I'm not feeling it so much, but I was talking to another friend of mine who's a nurse and she was saying that, you know, because she goes to work and her whole job is COVID. And then, you know, protecting her family when she's at home is COVID. And then she watches Grey's and it's COVID. Like she's feeling the fatigue. So I think because yeah. I'm kind of hunkered down and I can work from home and I'm not, not that you aren't, I just, I'm not feeling it yet, but I understand why other people are. Yeah. And then we have another couple that I think they should, they, I mean, I'm talking about Levi and Nico. Mm-hmm. I think Levi should just stay away from Nico. <laughs> Nico is a, a very manipulative ass, hustle. I mean, he's using a pandemic mm-hmm. to have sex with Levi. When Levi says to him, okay, uh, I mean, we don't work together. Nothing has really changed. You know, he replies, well, everything has changed. There is a pandemic. I mean, I get that there is a pandemic, but he's using, he's using the pandemic as an excuse to have sex with Levi. Yeah. And as Joe sa- said to um to Levi, he uh, Nico is not emotionally emotionally available. Yeah. So I think Levi should stay away from that man. That man is bad, bad news. And I really like Levi. So I hope he can find a partner who's worthy of his incredible heart. I'm sorry. I really love Nico. I really love Levi. And I think Nico is really bad for him. He's toxic. Okay, I said it. He's really toxic. <laughs> I, I agree. I liked, I liked Levi and Nico in the beginning. But when they got to that point last season where it was revealed that Nico wasn't out to his parents, that kind of was the beginning of the end for me. And... I agree. I think I think Levi deserves better. And like you said it perfectly, um, he deserves someone that's deserving of his, of his of his caring heart. And I do want to touch on just two more things uh, before we go. Yeah, I agree. I agree with your comments about Tom. And um, I really I, I felt for Tom this episode. I I mean, Tom can be an ass, but I he can also be very kind. And I, I really love watching his character. I think he's very interesting. And I hope they're not going to kill him off because I really like him. But I kind of got that vibe from this episode and the previous yeah. one. Yeah, I and think we're in for uh, the death of Tom. Yeah, I think it will happen. Because, you know, I think Meredith is going to get better. And yeah. they have to show how serious this virus is. So mm-hmm. I think they could use Tom's character to highlight it. And remember that they said that they had a death plan planned for yes. the last season finale, which was then scrapped because of COVID. Yeah. Maybe Tom was the character who, who was supposed to die. Who knows? Yeah, that's kind of the vibe I'm getting, which would be a shame because I love his character. We will see how it goes. And it's one of those things where if it's not Tom, you know, Meredith is a star. She anchors the show and they brought this storyline in in the premiere. So to my mind, if she lives, which it looks like she's going to, um, somebody else is dying. So either a main character or yeah. someone that's close to a main character is going to die because if, you know, that many people get COVID, statistically speaking. So I'll, I'll be interested to see who it is. Like right now I'm getting a Tom vibe, but they could pull a switcheroo on us and it could be like 11th hour, no Tom post through, it's this other person. Yeah. We shall see. The, yeah, the I hope it's not Tom. Yeah. He, he deserves some happiness. He because does. As, as he told Teddy, yeah, as he told T- Teddy last episode, he had so much heartbreak for a lifetime. Yes. I mean, he deserves some joy. 
Yes, I, I agree. I think he does deserve some joy. The last thing I want to touch on is um, the I love this episode. I absolutely love this episode. My only complaint, my only complaint, was the absence of Cormac Hayes. Where the hell was Mick Widow? Where the hell was Yes. He? What yeah, where the hell where was, was he? We Ugh. want Mick Widow in each episode. Yes, so... Let's hope that we get him next episode. I was very sad that he was not there because he's my new, he's my favorite new character and I love him. So I hope we will see him next episode, especially because um, it looks like, you know, hopefully Meredith will be getting better. So I'd love to see some interactions uh, between them or with Hayes talking to Bailey or Richard or Maggie or Joe or Amelia about Meredith's condition. Um, I would really love to see that. Uh, so that's that is my wish for the next episode. Yeah. And so I now I think it's time for our our little wrap up here where we talk about our favorite quote or scene. So did you have one for this episode? Yes, actually I I said it before, but I really loved the line from George. Do you still dance when he asks Meredith if mm-hmm. she still dances? I thought that was powerful for the reason that I told before. So yeah, that was my favorite line. Do you still dance? Such a simple line, a yet so powerful, because it it means so much to those to us who have watched the show for so long. And also, this is the Dance It Out podcast. So, <laughs> yeah. What about I, I, you, Jasmine? What, what, I love what? that too. Where they were like, "Oh, do you still dance it?" And I was like, "Ah, yeah." For me, I think it's a tie. One of them I already mentioned was the line where Meredith, Meredith says to George, so you're basically haunting her. And he's like, if you want to call it that. The other one for me was when Amelia comes to Link and, you know, they're talking and he's like, you know, this is how I, I deal with stuff. And so she under she yeah. says she understands. And then she says to him, What are you playing? And he goes, It's a song called, you know, if um <laughs> if this virus doesn't get us, climate change probably will. <laughs> he starts strumming the guitar. Yeah, that it. was funny. It was hilarious. It was really on point. And um, a little tidbit for fans out there, um, Amy, who I watch with, she used to watch the show Nashville, and Chris Carmack, who plays Link, was on that show for years. And uh, in which he played a, oh. a gay country star. So he can sing and play the guitar for real. He's quite, he's, a, he's also a musician. Like he's quite talented, according to people I know who've listened to his music. So um, I like that they're incorporating that. And she said it was very weird for her to, um, to make the mental switch between his character on Nashville and his character on Grace, because they're very different. Yeah. But uh, I love that they're incorporating that, that uh, this actor has a skill and they're incorporating it. So yeah, I love that line and I thought it was great. So I think that was yeah. my favorite. Um, okay. All right, everyone. And uh, that's our show. A big th- thank you to our friend Clinton for being on the show today. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe, like, rate, and review our show uh, and tell your friends. Our theme song is inspired by Kevin McCloyd. You can find us on Twitter at Dance It Out Pod and on Instagram at Dance It Out Grey's Anatomy. Until next time, I'm Jasmine. And I'm Giuseppe. And this is Dance It Out. A Grey's Anatomy podcast. Thank you.